Our country, and indeed the whole world, is facing some serious problems. Many of these problems are in the realm of our interactions with our planet. With a population of 7 billion people that is doubling every 30 or 40 years, we now consume well more than a planet's worth of resources. In fact, we have for decades. You know, by current estimates, we're probably at about a planet and a half's worth of resources. So we're borrowing against a very limited supply. Humans are by far the largest geologic force on our planet. We use 40% of the planet's surface to raise or grow our food alone. The number of animals, and that includes fish, mammals, reptiles, birds, whatever, is half the number now than it was 40 years ago, which is staggering. And I'm not talking about species, I'm talking about actual individual animals, the actual populations we have cut in half in a mere 40 years. And yet most people have no sense of the power that humans now have on our planet. Now, there's a very clear reason for this. It is, unfortunately, at a 120-year-old framework that we're stuck in. There was a very influential education rule report back in 1893, the Committee of Ten report. Um, it was Charles Eliot, the president of Harvard University, and nine other university presidents got together and said, college science is having a rough time because... There are no standards for students coming out of high school. We need some standards for science education in high school. The idea was wonderful, actually. Their recommendations were not so much in what students would know, but in what they would be able to do. They recommended one day a week high school students should be outside learning about the natural world. This was all great. Their recommendation, though, was that the three years of high school science should be biology, chemistry, and physics. Physical geography was to be taught in middle school and no astronomy anywhere in middle school or high school. Well, plate tectonics wasn't even discovered until 1967. It, you know, in 1893, geology was really a disparate jumble of separate facts without a real framework to put them all together. Well, somewhere in the next 120 years, earth science became a complex, complicated, interconnected, interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary, quantitative, computationally focused science. But nobody knows that because what do we get? Some physical geography in middle school. We, we, we memorize the names of the countries. Only 7% of Americans come through getting any earth science at all in high school. We have a real disconnect here. We have a situation where there are significant problems and challenges that face the survival of our species, and we don't know how to solve these problems. We have a voting public that 
doesn't understand where our energy comes from and yet is making critical decisions on whether or not to drill offshore or whether or not to approve a keystone pipeline or hydrological fracturing. And so much of the last 10 years or so of my extra work, you know, my Saturday job, which has um, grown a little bit in size, um, has been trying to rectify that. Big part of it and a huge breakthrough has been with the Next Generation Science Standards. We began this process about five or six years ago at the National Academy of Science, which is the most prestigious, austere scientific organization in the country. We had a committee that, that created a document called the Framework for K-12 Science Education. And I was very honored to be in charge of Earth and Space Science for this document. And this pulled together not only what the key information was that students, all Americans really, should know about science, but also a, a, a sort of revolutionary framework for how to teach this. What sets them apart from previous science standards is that they are not centered on the content of science. They are centered on, centered on the practices of science. It's not to say that it, the information, the content isn't important, but science education research has shown that students will not only enjoy science more and value it more, but they will actually retain the information more if they try to learn about less, but delve into it in a more deep manner with a variety of scientific practices. The approach is assessments will no longer be based on content. So you won't have a test that says, how many planets are there? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Nine, oops, sorry, we got rid of Pluto, now it's eight. You know, who cares? Add a few more planets, subtract uh, some. The point is, it's a solar system, and systems have certain ways of functioning with feedbacks and flows of energy and cycling of matter. And once you understand how a solar system works, you can sort of see the analogies with a circulatory system of blood in the human body or the electrical system of a circuit. You know, each one has sort of a battery, whether it's the heart or an actual physical battery, driving material, whether it's electrons or blood cells, through a system. And you learn this by doing what scientists actually do. Scientists work with having to ask questions and collaborate with others. We don't sit with white lab coats in, the, in our labs late at night by ourselves. Science is inherently collaborative and cooperative and interdisciplinary. And we're sharing information and developing arguments and defending them. And we use mathematics and computational skills as well as writing skills. So we listed out eight practices of science and engineering. And the goal is for students each year to carry out aspects of all of those eight practices. And the content is there, but it is always connected to a practice. 
all of the standards talk about what students will do um, and what they need to do, and not at all in terms of what they have memorized. Thirteen states so far have adopted these, as well as Washington, D.C. Uh, at least half a dozen other states are in the process, um, but the impact is even going far beyond that. I've been working with the Archdiocese of Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, they don't care if Pennsylvania does or doesn't adopt the NGSS. They think it's a great idea. This is how science should be taught. They're going ahead with it. I've been working with uh, multiple school districts in, uh, in Missouri. Rockwood is a great example. Um, right here, 22,000 kids in their school district. Missouri's uh, legislature will probably not approve the NGSS anytime soon, but it doesn't matter. Rockwood says this is a great idea. They're gung-ho about it, and, and I've been working with them in order to help uh, implement this. So even states where there isn't a statewide adoption, multiple schools and school districts are realizing this really is the way to teach science, and, and, um, and they're going ahead with it. And the heartening thing for me through all of this is there is a year of earth and space science in high school, as well as middle school. All students will get a year of earth and space science in, in high school. And, you know, it's very likely that within five or six years, more than half of the high school students in America will be getting a full year of complex interdisciplinary systems-oriented earth and space science with a huge focus on climate, climate systems, and human sustainability. And, you know, if, if this actually comes to fruition in the next five years, there is nothing else in my career that I have done that will compare in importance to this. Many thanks to Michael Weisession for joining Hold That Thought. Dr. Weisession is an associate professor of Earth and Planetary Sciences here at Washington University in St. Louis. In addition to his work on the next generation science standards and his own research on mantle structure and dynamics, Dr. Weisession has co-authored more than 20 elementary and high school textbooks. He was recently granted the American Geophysical Union's first ever ambassador award. For many more ideas to explore, including more from our series on earth science, please visit holdthatthought.wusdl.edu. As always, you can also keep up with the latest on Facebook and Twitter, or find our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, PRX, and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.